21, verses 15 to 25. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he answered. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, to, said Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Then Peter saw him. He asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain until I if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not hold the book, have room for the books that would be written. The Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Morning church, how are you? <laughs> Uh, yesterday um, was an exciting day for myself and for uh, some of the others because uh, uh, the deacons and elders and, uh, and pastors all got together and uh, and um, we had a we had a day of having a lovely chat and and learning stuff and hearing about each other and uh, and thinking about um, how we can can serve the church and uh, and move forward. And, uh, and it was great. It was, it was wonderful hearing all these things. Uh, one of the, the things that I did notice was many of us are at, at different uh, positions um, in, in, I don't want to say in our walk, but, but in our view of service. Uh, some of us are sort of feeling we're a little bit inadequate for the call on our lives to serve. I don't know, does anyone feel that they're inadequate for, for what God's calling them to do. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of us. Is there any of us that feel absolutely overconfident about it? 
Okay, I'm alone. Uh, <laughs> Steve shared a very interesting little um, diagram, if you like. He, he, he had an, an, an axis that was talking about issues and another one along here talking about relationships. And he had little furry creatures, not, not all furry creatures, he had little animals to symbolise different spots on this axis. So right up here, where issues are really important, he had the bull. So the bull's that sort of character that <clears throat> this issue's important, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack that issue. On the other end, on the relationships at the far end, we've got the koala. Look, the issues aren't important. I just want to cuddle everyone, okay? That relationships are, are the important thing in church. I'm talking in a church context, of course. Now, right up this top corner that's saying issues, issues are important, relationships are important, we have the wise old owl, you know? He's, he, he wants to take both of these into consideration. Down the bottom corner, where neither are real important, is the turtle. They, they just want to pull their head in. Look, I'm, I just don't want any trouble. I just want things to go smoothly. And in the middle was the fox. Look, we can get a compromise. We can work things out. Everything will come together. And, uh, and, and, and we were asked to identify which animal, where we stood on, on different things. And it was really quite clever because it was sort of, we're invited to say, where do you stand um, when you first come into a situation? And then when things fire up, where do you stand further down when the, when the storm's happening? And so you found that you moved and, uh, and, and all very interesting. And then Steve also added that... Um, the church needs all these. And, and he gave examples that, that at different times you need different characters. Can I say, this is a, probably a pretty poor example, but uh, if, uh, and, and outside the church, but Winston Churchill was certainly the man for the job when there was a war on. He was a bull. He made decisions. He got things done. Winston didn't fare so well when the war was over. He didn't last the term. Someone else was needed. And, and this is quite enlightening because all these characters, you can, you can think one's better than another, but in the church, all these characters, these personality types, the way we address things, they're all needed. And, uh, but they also all need a bit of polishing, a bit of attention. God, God needs to work in each of us. And, uh, and so I find this reading today really encouraging because uh, Peter, I would say Peter's a bull. <laughs> There's probably no doubt about it. Uh, but he, he could be any character type and God wants to use him, flaws and all. All of us here, God wants to use us flaws and all it just needs a little bit of shaping and so that's what I what I want to look at today I've, I've called this uh, passage the shaping of Peter I think on, on our reading uh, in my new international version it's called the Jesus reinstates Peter uh, and I kind of have a problem with that word reinstates because it 
I don't know what the antonym of reinstate, uninstate. It sounds like Peter was, didn't have the job because of some failing, was brought back into the job. I want you to know that, that Peter always had the job. It's just that Peter lost confidence and he needed to have Jesus re-invite him or, or, or restore him to this position. So let's read on. So, so this, sorry, not read on. So this morning what I want to do is, is we're going to do a bit of a character study of Peter. And, uh, and I've said the shaping of Peter. The other word I want to use is sanctification. So we've got that up there. Fantastic. So um, you can see there, sanctification literally means to, to set apart for a special use or purpose. Uh, and the most common use of this word within Christian theology is in reference to the change brought about by God in a believer, begun at the point of salvation and continuing through the rest of the believer's life. So, so we see this sort of a, a, a double meaning. The moment that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you are sanctified. Whether you're consciously aware of it or not, you have been set apart for a special use or purpose. There's also a sense of sanctification as an ongoing process where we are being made fit for purpose. And, and this is what I see happening in the story today. Jesus is bringing the process of sanctification in Peter's life to a point where he's going to be fit for purpose. I love that word, fit for purpose, hope it works for you as well. Uh, so we need to ask ourselves, are we being sanctified? Are, are we being made fit for purpose or are we stalling the purpose, stalling the process? Um, now, some of us may be thinking that, look, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. How can we, how can we possibly stall the Holy Spirit? Well, look, look there's, there's plenty of scriptures that tell us that that we can, we can interfere, we can uh, stop that happening. Um, and really, simply by holding on to our independence rather than becoming completely dependent on Jesus is the way that most of us stall the process of the Holy Spirit sanctification in our lives. We claim faith in Jesus, but we, we won't practice faith in Jesus. So be honest with yourselves there. I, I, I'm certainly not going to judge you. This, this is one of my greatest failings of, uh, of stalling. Um, just realise that for all of us, our time of usefulness is limited. It's a pretty grim idea, isn't it? Our, our time of usefulness is limited. It's running out. And I certainly don't want to go down the, uh, the judgment line, but there will be a time when we are called to account for our action or our inaction. you just got to think of the parable of the, uh, the servants with the, the talents, don't you? Uh, the guy who buried his. I, I don't want to be like that. I hope you don't either. So this morning, our focus is on Peter, and, uh, and we're going to invite you all to, to look at Peter and use him as a mirror for yourselves. That, that's where, where, we, where we're going to get stuff out of it. So let's have a, a, a look at a, a, some of Peter, some of his high points and some of his low points. So his high point there, but what about you, he asks. 
who do you say I am? This, this is where Jesus has said to the disciple, who do people say I am? And they've come up with all sort of, an, sort of answers. And now he says to the disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Wouldn't you love Jesus saying that to you? And Peter was the first one. He was the first one. Very bullishly, he comes out and says, this is what I know, this is what I believe. And, uh, and he gets applauded for it. We, we, we definitely need bulls. But this next bit is only a few verses later in the same chapter. Okay, it's not the next day, it's the same day. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow. You don't want Jesus saying that to you. <laughs> But Peter, being the bull, he just comes out and says what's on his mind. And there was other exasperating conversations. And this is when Jesus is going around and he's washing the disciples' feet. And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. <sighs> Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well then, Lord, Peter, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. <sighs> Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. I'm adding the little extra R's in case you didn't notice, but, but this is what I'm feeling. Bull-type characters can be exasperating. We go on. We're now in the garden when uh, the high priest's police are coming up to arrest Jesus. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So the picture I have of Peter is of a man that is 100% committed to Jesus. He comes in, he reads the situation, he plans his approach and then he attacks with passion and with zeal. What a man. But there's a problem, isn't there? They're great qualities for a leader except for sometimes he misreads the situation. And his plan, well that's the problem, isn't it? It's his plan. Being 100% for Jesus doesn't guarantee that your actions are righteous. In our example, Peter sought to prevent Jesus from suffering, from the humiliation of washing people's feet, 
and from being arrested by the high priest. And, and you've got to say, looking at each one of those things, they sound like good things to be doing. But each time, Peter was terribly out of step with God's will. <sighs> Sometimes we do the same, don't we? Sometimes we don't even realise it. We're just terribly out of step with God's will, even though we've convinced ourselves that what we're doing is the right thing. In our reading last week, Peter's commitment to Jesus saw him jumping into the water, fully clothed, to get to Jesus as quick as possible, sooner than all the others. What we miss is seeing that Peter abandoned the other six disciples and left them to struggle to get the catch in. We then see Jesus asking the disciples, asking them to bring some of the fish they have caught. Who jumps up to get the fish? Peter. What we miss seeing is the other six disciples looking at him incredulously saying, we don't believe it. We're the one that pulled them in. Why is he the one running to go and grab them? Why is he taking credit for the fish that we were left to struggle to land? Now just imagine if you have a person like Peter come and apply to be the pastor of the church here. <laughs> what would you do? This is, he comes in and this is his, his portfolio. Well, you've made that mistake. I'm here. <laughs> but really, when you see all this stuff, you go, man, we can't give this bloke a job. And we'd be really out of step with God's will, wouldn't we? Tough one to think about, isn't it? Let's go on. We're now into our reading. Or no, we're not. We're, we're, we're back to that first time when uh, Peter identifies Jesus as, as being the Messiah. Jesus said to Simon, you are Peter and on this rock I'll build my church. Jesus has an important purpose set aside for Simon Peter. Even though sin still has a sway in Peter's life. If you want a simple and accurate definition of sin, well, well this, is, this is what I believe it is. Sin is believing that you know better than Jesus. It's taking your own counsel and rejecting God, or not, not even seeking God's. For sanctification to continue in Peter's life, this sin habit needs to be broken. I don't know if uh, you ever watch those uh, home renovation shows on, uh, on TV um, but usually there's, there's two parts to the process uh, there's the out with the old part they go in and they strip out everything they smash down walls they get the site cleared and then the second part's the, the new fit out you can't do the latter until you've done the former and I think this is what happens in Peter's life here. We go back to, to Mark 15. This is Jesus being arrested and they're 
in uh, the courtyard of the high priest's house. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is, <laughs> this is at the, uh, the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insists emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Peter's not alone. The whole church, the whole, <laughs> all the disciples are saying, yes, we're, we're, we're not going to deny you, but Peter's the, the one who's, who's, who's speaking it out. Now we come to the courtyard. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Jesus followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I think we all feel pain for Peter. Um, it's hard not to. We, we, we kind of admire Peter because he's, he's trying harder. He's, he's lasting longer than all the other disciples. They're, they're all gone. We may even argue, surely Peter should be given some credit for that. Well, the simple answer is no, no. Nor could Peter claim it was a, you know, a, a one-off slip-up. Three times he has denied Christ. Three seems to be a, a very important number because you can make a mistake. Oh, I did deny you, but I'm, I'm taking it back straight away. Twice, ooh. but three times, three times is really showing your heart. Even though Peter had spent three years with Jesus, he didn't really understand the basics of the gospel message. And we read in the Bible that all are sinned, none are righteous. Not even one. Righteousness cannot come through your own efforts. And that's what Peter was striving for, wasn't he? Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Peter was never expected to not deny Jesus. Jesus had said to him, you will deny me. You're all going to fall away because that is your nature and that's why you need me. You, you don't have righteousness. You need me to give you righteousness. 
But this, so through this painful experience, Peter's pride was demolished. Any pretensions that he was equal to the task of contributing to his own salvation was smashed. The sight was cleared for Jesus to shape Peter into a man whose hope was wholly established in the Lord Jesus Christ. And brings us to our, our passage today. It's been a long way to get here, hasn't it? We'd heard it, Peter before arrogantly saying, even if all fall away, I will not. In Peter's view, he was a step above the other disciples. They might, me never. He was the disciple that all the other disciples should look up to in his mind. When Jesus looked at him after he had denied him for the third time, all arrogance in Peter evaporated. It was a moment he was feeling less than a worm. He felt terrible. At that stage, in his mind, every disciple was better than him because none of them had denied their Lord. And I think Peter probably, at that moment, mistook Jesus' look for, for judgment or at least disappointment. Uh, but he couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus knew the real Peter. He was giving his life to redeem this fallen Peter. No, this look showed that Jesus' heart went out to Peter because it was the first time that Peter had come to face to face with his real self and it shocked him. I don't think Peter really ever doubted that Jesus loved him. We, we see that when, when he now sees Jesus and jumps out of the boat and goes to him. So Jesus' question, do you love me more than these, reminds Peter of his former bravado and invites him to repent. Although the, the word repentance is never mentioned uh, in our passage. And it's really interesting when you look at how Peter replies. Peter uses a phrase absent from his earlier conversations. He says, you know, you know that I love you. He doesn't make any comparison with the other disciples. He just ignores that part. He leaves that apart because it's not up for him to decide. You know, Jesus, you know. Previously, Peter spoke from what he knew. He regularly dismissed and contradicted what Jesus said because he was convinced that he knew better. Now in humility, Peter says, Lord, you know. Peter's hurt when Jesus asks him the third time, do you love me? Yet as three denials were, were witness to Peter's complete abandonment of Jesus, so too were three admissions of love and submission a witness to Peter's complete repentance. Previously, Peter's devotion to Christ was demonstrated through Peter's choice of expression. He expressed himself by chopping off a servant ear. Um, he expressed himself through abandoning the disciples to, to swim to Jesus. 
Now Jesus is saying to Peter, no, this, this isn't any good. If you truly love me, then you're not to do what you think is best. You're to fulfill the purposes that I have for you. Can you see the switch there? He's saying to him, feed my lambs. Care for my sheep. Now I even find that interesting, the, the, the choice of those words, because feeding, that's kind of like the issues thing, isn't it? You know, lead, lead my people the right way. Caring is very much a relationship type thing. Love them, look after them. He's wanting Peter to not just be the, the one-dimensional, I'm here about the issues. He's wanting him to be relational too. He's trying to expand what Peter, Peter's natural inclination, if you like. He's reinstating, you got through that word in there when I wrote my notes, how did I do that? <laughs> he is restoring Peter to be that leader of the church, to be the shepherd of his church. I haven't gone down that line, but it was, it was interesting that we start with the the, the fish analogy and now we're moving back to the, the shepherd analogy that's used earlier in John. Jesus is saying, Peter, stop seeking to shine brightest but wash the feet of those I place in your charge. Do you now understand what the washing the feet was about, Peter? Let your joy be found in serving others as I do. Partner with me in my purpose that I have for, for you. That's the sort of stuff that, uh, that Jesus is trying to communicate to Peter. Uh, John 18, in, sorry, verse 18, um, John very helpfully tells us that, uh, that, that that verse is prophesying something of Peter's death. <clears throat> and we believe that, uh, that Peter was... Um, martyred with hands stretched out he was crucified and and uh there's some reports that he was crucified upside down he didn't want to be compared to suffering the same way that that jesus had suffered so he he asked to be crucified upside down what we don't want to miss is the change in peter that this verse paints the young Peter went where he wanted he was the decision maker the transformed Peter allows himself to be led without resistance even to outstretching his hands to the fate that his Lord has destined him for Peter do you understand why I washed your feet yes Lord and thank you for that I'm not even going to venture into the, uh, the, the part about what about him, but, uh, but it, is, uh, it is interesting, isn't it? Peter, this is what I've got for you. You don't need to think about these other things, these other people. You just concentrate on, on what I have. Then he said to him, follow me. Three and a half years earlier, Jesus had said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Now he's saying it again to this reshaped Peter, this, this Peter that is now fit for purpose. 
And we can read more about this transformed Peter in Acts. The one I'm thinking about is, is uh, Acts chapter 10, where um, uh, Peter has this vision. Uh, and I'll read it to you. About noon the following day, as they... Uh, sorry, I'm going a bit too far back. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared he fell into a trance he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds then a voice told him get up peter kill and eat surely not lord replied peter i have never eaten anything impure or unclean that sounds a lot like the old Peter, doesn't it? Oh, no, Lord. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that the Lord has made clean. This happened, can you guess how many times? Three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, this is the new Peter. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, he never did that before, he was so sure men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate they called out asking if Simon who was known as Peter was staying there while Peter was still thinking about the vision the spirit said to him Simon three men are looking for you get up and go downstairs do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them do you know what Peter did he went down and went with them the old people would have said Surely not, Lord. <laughs> He's a changed man. He's still the same person, but God's done something with him. I find this just so encouraging that I can still be the bull. <laughs> I, I can still have those flaws and God can still use me. The Spirit can still direct me if I allow myself to be transformed. Is Peter perfect? No, but he's teachable. Peter learned that his identity did not hinge on his perfect works, but on his trust in God's word. Pretty simple, isn't it? And the passage invites us to use Peter as that mirror and to ask ourselves whether that drives our if whether what drives our faith is derived from our sense of what is right or from Jesus, what he tells us is right. Whether it's driven on we have to be right or is it Jesus' love for people as well. Jesus has been patiently waiting for Peter to turn and, uh, and sometimes he, he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to, to run out of puff doing things our own way uh, and, uh, and trying to accomplish things ourselves. Uh, so the invitation's there for us too. If, uh, if we're still running our own show, uh, Jesus invites us to repent, to, uh, to allow him to, to finally shape us and, uh, and to use us, to make us fit for purpose and to use us for the purpose that he has in mind for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, you, 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 you're a great God. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you... You choose to use us with all our faults and flaws. Um, Lord, that, uh, that uh, you're prepared to, 
to love us despite these things and to include us in your work, Lord. So, Lord, take us with all our, all our flaws and, 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 and use us as you will for your glory, Lord. May we stop trying to, to block you and allow you to, to sanctify us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.